seat. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. God, I thank you for those who are here. I pray that you would give us uh, just a glimpse and an idea of what you have for us. God, I pray specifically that you would transform our hearts. I pray that we would understand what it means to live with discipline, to be committed to what you've called us to do. And Lord, we just pray that most of all that your spirit would speak to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And while you do that, uh, one of the things that I'm excited about, and I know it's a a little bit of a change or a transition uh, from what we've done in the past, but over the last, really the last two months now, we started in December, we started uh, our family first uh, Sundays. We're going to focus on family things. And, and I want to really jump into this because I believe this is something important. So what we've done is every, every one of our kids actually joins the service except for those who are five and under. Um, and I, I want to use this as an opportunity because here's really what goes on in most churches, that, that's, that's kids go off and they do their thing and they get to be 12 years old and all of a sudden they're thrown into church and they're like, like, and, and I, I know what it was like. I remember, you know, I grew up in the generation where as a two-year-old, once you hit two, you were in church. As a matter of fact, I can tell you uh, that my dad, I'll, I'll never forget my dad telling this story, that my dad was chairman of the deacons and, and I was really good friends or our family was really good friends with our worship pastor and, and his kids and my dad or my parents had me and they had a two-year-old named Amber and uh, my dad tells the story over and over and over again, he used to tell the story about how me and Amber were goofing around in church when we were two crawling around. And the pastor said, if my chairman of deacons and music minister would get their kids under control, we would continue the sermon. At which point I went, oh, serious? <laughs> so I want you to know this, that I will not call you out for having your kids in here. I will not call you out for your kids being a disruption because I believe that's one of the beauties that the Bible talks about, that when kids are involved in and active in the, the church, that that's what the church should reflect. And so we want to encourage you with that. Children every week, or sorry, every month, that first Sunday of every month, we will always have a bulletin for them. So make sure you grab it. They can color on it. Matter of fact, if you look on, on today's, it's a little small so the crayons may not work doing the crossword puzzle. Uh, but for you Chiefs fans, you'll even notice in, in, in the down portion, it says Tom Brady cheated in the game. So his team should be what? Disqualified. That's correct. Um, so we even do use non-church things to, to communicate the truth of the gospel to your kids. So they've got a crossword puzzle. And then down here at the bottom, every time they're going to get the main point of the sermon. So we, we try and let them work through that. So if you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is a, a matter of fact, this is a, a section of scripture that when I first got into ministry, uh, I'll never forget the first time I told my pastor, I said, hey, uh, I feel called to ministry. He said, great, you're preaching next Sunday. And I went, oh, what are you talking about, dude? I don't know how to preach. And he goes, next Sunday night, you're preaching. And I was like, oh, I, I don't like talking. When you want me to get up? My first sermon, and you guys would all celebrate if I did this today, my ser- first sermon was 10 minutes. 10 minutes to unpack all of Isaiah chapter 53. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like one of the hardest sections of scripture. But I, 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 my second sermon was actually this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, follow along. 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 24. And, and before, and, and really, I want to start in verse 21, all right? Because I want to give us the context of what's going on. Paul says this, to those not having the law, 
I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And then listen to what he says. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. And he says in verse 23, I do all of this, not for my sake or for my benefit, but for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. And I wanna encourage you and really ask you deep down, how do I begin to look at my life and say, I wanna share in the blessings of the gospel in my life? Because that's the reality. Most of us want financial blessings. We want family blessings. But listen to what Paul says. My priority, my desire is that I get a share in the blessings of the gospel. Now, for those of you who don't understand what this means, this has huge implications because the blessings of sharing in the blessings of the gospel means you get to experience victory even in defeat, that you experience strength when you are weak, that when persecuted, you, you, you receive the favor of God. Those are all things that play out in sharing in the blessings of the gospel. Then listen to verse 24, and this is where we're gonna focus from 24 to 27. Do you not know, remember keeping in mind what's going on, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Now, I know that that hurts a lot of people's feelings in today's trophy society, all right? But the reality is this, not everybody wins. There are losers. But listen to what he says, but only one gets the prize, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. I want you to understand the idea of what's taking place in this text. And the, the, the reality also is this. We, we celebrate the dedication, the devotion. We celebrate the discipline of today's athletes more than almost anything else. I mean, all you got to do is turn on sports on any given Saturday, Sunday, and you will know that the celebration of athletes' accomplishments run rampant. I mean, where else in the world could you go and get paid to hit a white ball that travels 90 to 102 miles an hour in today's pitching standards, where else could you go to get paid $26 million a year to play a sport? And don't get me wrong. Listen, I've, I've been in this world. I mean, I, I thought I was something playing college baseball, and then you get up into a big city like Kansas City, and you're like, oh, I play college baseball. And you, you meet a guy at a tournament who's coaching another team. He's like, oh, I made it to AAA with the Dodgers. And you're like, I'll just go home. <laughs> that's like when somebody's like, oh, I played in junior high. It's like, oh, you know what I mean? Like, like every level that we celebrate this dedication, discipline. And, and as, I, as I think about this, as a matter of fact, there's a, because I'm so much into sports, I recently saw an article about today's college athlete and I read about it and the dedication, the discipline and everything that goes into what they have to do to prepare and how people think, well, athletes aren't smart guys when some of these guys are graduating after three and a half years and going on and getting their masters while they're finishing up playing sports and things like this. And I want you to understand that the dedication and the devotion and discipline of those athletes is great, but the reality is that our dedication and our devotion in reality should be stronger to who Jesus is and what Jesus has called us to do. Yeah. 
that our dedication and devotion to who Jesus wants us to be should be the first and foremost thing. See, Paul uses two illustrations that we should be very familiar with in describing the Christian and Christianity. He talks about the race, in other words, running a race, and he talks about more or less kind of the idea of fighting. And he lays it out in, in a way that we can understand. But I thought about this, and as I was preparing, I, I began to think about this. See, the reality is when he's talking about a race or he's talking about a fight, we always celebrate those things. Like I know as, as my wife has prepared over and over and over again to run her halves and things like that, that the reality is you don't see all the hard work and dedication and discipline that goes into somebody running a marathon when you go out and just watch the marathon. All you see is the what? You see the race. You don't see all the dedication and the devotion and the discipline. Same with the fight. If you're into UFC fighting or boxing, we always celebrate the fights, don't we? We're like, oh man, I'm, we're getting the fights. We're gonna watch, we're just gonna see. You don't see the six months, nine months, 12 months of dedication, devotion, and discipline that these guys are putting in to prepare for the battle that's gonna go last for a short, brief moment. And what I want you to understand is this. That's how our life should be. That in everything that we do spiritually, the dedication, devotion, and discipline that we have to put in should prepare us for a short, brief moment of life. Listen to me, the life that God has for you now here on earth to live the rest of life is brief and but a moment of vapor. We were talking about this week and I brought it up just recently. I was like, can you believe it's been 20 years since Y2K? My mom was one of those ones who stored up hundreds of gallons of water. We had bags of rice. I say we, I was in college, so I wasn't there. She had bags of rice. She had non-perishable items. She had cans of vegetables. She had water. I mean, it was a complete chaos. She was a prepper before preppers was cool. <laughs> 20 years, just like that. And what I want us to look at today is this, that we must be disciplined. We must be prepared. We have to put in the dedication and devotion in order to accomplish what God wants us to do, not only as individuals, but as a church. See, I believe wholeheartedly one of the biggest struggles we face in today's culture and society is we are a, a, a get-rich-quick, we are a speed society. We got fast food, fast technology. We got fast cars, kind of. Not, not like old American muscle, but, but we've got all of these things that we want fast, but the problem is we're not willing to put in the devotion and the dedication to growing in our own spiritual walk. We're not putting in the devotion and dedication to investing in the lives of others. And as a result, we go, well, I don't understand why we're getting what we get when we don't do what we need to do. And so today's really gonna talk about discipline. Because when we talk about a race or we talk about a fight, there's this idea. No fighter goes in to prepare for a fight going, I'm going to lose. And no person I know of ever prepares for a race thinking, I'm not going to try and win. They focus on the finish. Matter of fact, I'm going to do this. I need Ethan and Evan to come up here. They didn't know this. I'm going to pop this on them real quick. All right. They're going to come up here and we're going to talk about this idea of a race. Hey, leave that door open real quick, Ethan. All right. Prop that open. There you go, prop that other side open. Evan, come up here real quick because I'm gonna explain something to you that I'm not gonna tell. I'm, I'm drawing him out. Evan's like, oh my gosh, all right. Yeah, just right down there. 
Okay, you guys are going to race. Okay, all right? I just want you to run. Okay, all right? You ready? Go. Where are you racing to? There you go. Come on back. There we go. Yep, yep, there we go. Come on, you bird. Okay, all right, good job, good job. Here, here's the reason. Why did you keep going? Because the door's open. The door's open. You didn't know where the what? You didn't know where the finish was, did you? Mm-hmm. And I told Evan, Evan, I, I know where the finish line is. It's back here with me, but I just want you to go to the door and back, right? Okay, have a seat. I want you to understand what ends up happening in our lives because this is a good example of what goes on. We run through life thinking it's all about getting to the finish when we don't even know what the finish looks like. We chase everything under the sun, trying to gain financial blessings and encouragement, trying to be a successful person in business, but the reality is we're chasing something that in the end, we don't even know what the finish is, do we? We don't know what it looks like to be the finish line, and there has to be a finish line. There's got to be a point that I say, hey, there's, there's what it is. There's what I got to focus on. Here's what I want to work towards. Here's how I got to accomplish, or here's what I got to do to accomplish or finish the race that is set before me. So when Paul's talking about this whole idea of competing in a race, he knows that there is an end in sight. And so when I talk about 20 years ago was Y2K, I want you to understand that all of us are taking part in a race. The reality is this. We don't know where the finish line is, do we? We don't know time-wise where the finish line is. We do know that we want to accomplish or cross the finish line to what God has called us to do. So I wanna do anything and everything in my power to be obedient to what he's called me to do and to do exactly what he's called me to do. In other words, I need to move forward and follow him in everything. You know, I say that we don't know what time holds and I bring that up because a lot of us think, well, when I get to a certain point, then I'll get back to church or I'll get back to Jesus. I'll kind of just commit myself to him. Then when Paul is saying, if you do that, you're gonna run a lot of races that you're not even gonna finish anything because you have no goal or no point in what you're doing. And so here's today, the big picture, the big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that the reward comes. The reward comes after the hard work of discipline and training. The reward comes after the hard work of discipline and training. In other words, I don't get a victory based upon me just sitting back doing nothing. I receive victory in the fact that I've been obedient to what God has called me to do. And as a result... Through discipline and training, then I receive the reward. Why? Because I have done everything he called me to do. You and I know this wholeheartedly, that if you spin your wheels constantly after money, you're going to chase money the rest of your life. And the reality is, the more you get, the more is never enough. You and I know that even with status... In gaining more and more popularity, the more I get, the more people seem to want. And I'm not knocking money and I'm not knocking status. Both can be used in great ways when they're used in obedience to what God has called us to do. But what I want us to see is that the reward comes after the hard work of discipline and training. See, most of us want the instant gratification right now. I want to be a strong believer in who Jesus is and what he's called me to do, but I'm not willing to put the work in. 
Isn't that something that kind of runs rampant in our society? I mean, we can even use it in a secular setting. I want lots of money, but I'm not willing to work. That's not going to happen. I mean, I guess unless you win the lotto, but you're not going to have any money anyways because you're not working, so you can't buy a lotto ticket. And your odds of winning the lottery are next to none. The reward comes after the hard work, the discipline, and training. So here's the question. What will help me focus on the finish? And I got three things that are going to help us focus on the finish. And then I want to give you what I believe are five disciplines, five disciplines you should have in your life over this year that you need to work on. Number one, know the goal. What will help me focus on the finish? I have to know the goal. Look at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners won, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. In other words, run with the end in mind. All of your lives and my lives are all limited and we don't know the day, the hour, the time, the week, the month, the year, nothing of when we're gonna go. So I wanna run my life so that I can earn or get the prize that God has called me to do. I wanna be obedient in everything that he calls me to do. Why? Because I wanna earn the prize. Not based upon what I've done, but in obedience to what he's called me to do, I get to see the success and glory that he pours out on me, not because of what I've done, but because of being obedient to him. I get to experience relationships with people because I've been obedient to what God has called me to do. You get to experience relationships with people and seeing people succeed because of the relationships that God has put you in and what he's entrusted you with. And what I believe wholeheartedly is this, that the church and the desire, really the desire of God to build the church is the desire to see people come to faith in Jesus. To know the goal in everything in my life is to know that people need Jesus and as a result of being obedient that God wants to use me to lead people to Jesus. Remember what Paul said earlier in verse 23? He says, I become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. And he says, I do this all for the sake of the gospel. That I may share in its blessings. See, many people walk through life almost clueless to the goals and dreams that God has for them. And what I want us to be is a people, I want all of us to experience this, the people who understand the goals and dreams and values and the, 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 the direction that God wants you to go so that you can be a success. Success comes not in the amount of money I make. Success comes in my obedience to what God has called me to do. Who God has called me to be. That's Success. So I have to know the goal. See, the end game is the main game. We do what we do because we want people to come to Jesus because we believe, based upon what scripture says, that without Jesus, they spend life apart from God for eternity. We say we believe it, but do we act on that? We claim to believe it, but do we live it out? We have to know the goal. And I want you to understand this, that you and I are valued and loved and gifted for a reason, not just for your, your success, but for your ministry. So what will help me focus on the finish? Number one, I need to know the goal. What is the finish line? Just as Ethan and Evan ran, I told Evan, hey, I just want you to go to the door and come back. He knew where the finish line was. But Ethan, he just kept running. Why? Because I told him to run. 
Just run. Run the race set before you. And if we don't understand the end goal, then we'll miss out on every time. So know the goal. Number two, what will help me focus on the finish? I have to train with intensity. And when I talk about training with intensity, I'm talking about what Paul says in verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training, all right? Strict means what? Like, I had a strict parent. My, as a matter of fact, my kids would probably say we're fairly strict compared to others. But I want you to think about this idea of strict training. It's disciplined. So I train with intensity by being disciplined in what God has called me to do. Intensity. Intensity is almost this ferociousness, this idea that I do it with everything I got. If I run with intensity, I run with the greatest strength of everything I have. I'm putting everything into it. Intensity is something that carries great value. It's, it's something that expresses our, our, our commitment to what's going on. Every athlete, listen, knows that someone else is training just as hard, if not harder, than them. And so when I prepare, I prepare not to to to. to uh, to overcome their preparedness, I prepare so that I overcome my weaknesses. And so I train with intensity. Listen, listen to some of these things, and these are, these are quotes or, or things I've given my boys from years of coaching. Hard work doesn't beat talent when talent, or sorry, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. You know, I think about that, and I think about how many times people in the church have been gifted with great talents and abilities and they've squandered them because it's easier to sit back and do nothing. And then somebody comes in and they're like, dude, I, I don't have the greatest talents in the world, but I tell you one thing, I got hard work. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Derek Jeter says it this way, there may be people who have more talent than you, but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you do. And so here's the question when I talk about this training with intensity, are you going into your walk with Jesus and growing in your relationship with Jesus with an intensity that says, I need this? Are you willing to put in the time, the effort, the energy, the discipline and devotion so that you can be the person who's prepared to run the race, who knows the goal, who trains with intensity? Why? Because then I can withstand, listen, the fiery darts of Satan. Then I can stand up to the pressures that he gives. Then I can be successful in what he does. Matter of fact, I've got this next slide that, that, that's gonna pop up here, but I want you to think about this, that we fight with God's principles, God's precepts, and God's power. God's principles, God's precepts, and God's power. So our battle, listen, is not against flesh and blood according to Ephesians chapter six. So that's the idea of God's principles, that we don't fight against other individuals within the world, but our battle that we're taking place in, the fight that we're fighting is not against people, but against the spiritual forces that we see played out in every day, in the everyday world. So we battle, or we fight, or we fight with God's principles, that we understand that people are not the enemy, but that Satan is the enemy. Number two, we fight with God's precepts. In other words, God's commands. If you were to know anything, if you know anything about scripture, it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So when we fight, we fight with God's precepts or commands. We fight with his word. There's the precepts idea, the commandments idea. 
Why? Because it's sharper than any double-edged sword. The word can do what you and I can't do in changing somebody's heart. That's what's kind of funny about kind of our whole idea of laws. We make a law, somebody finds a way to get around the law. We make another law, somebody finds a way to get around that law. We make another law, somebody finds a way to get around another law. We got a bunch of laws, but nobody follows it. Why? Because it's not based upon a moral standard, but based upon God's word. It's based upon my interpretation of what's going on in the legal system. Instead, we fight with God's precepts. And then listen, here's what I want you to understand when we talk about training with intensity. We also fight with God's power. We fight with God's power because in Matthew chapter 28, it says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Guess what that means? When I have a relationship with Jesus, he gives us the power and authority to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. Matter of fact, if you were to read John chapter 14, and I guarantee you the minute I reference this verse, some of you are gonna be like, no way, that's not in there. Because Jesus says in John 14 verse 12, you will do even greater things than these because the spirit has come to you. Uh-oh. Why do we not experience the power of God in our lives? Why do we not experience God's power being poured out and seeing him do supernatural things in our lives? Could it be that we don't follow his principles? Could it be that his precepts are not close to our heart and not our desire? Could it be that we don't train with intensity? I think about all the times I tried to get in shape. I think about my, my, my commitment in baseball in college and how it was a whole nother life in and of itself. My typical morning started at 6 a.m., usually working out. Then I went to class at eight. Then I went and worked somewhere. Then I went back to class. Then I went back to work. Then I'd go to class. I'd get out of class, usually about 1.50 or 2 o'clock, depending on the day, 2.15. Then I was at the baseball field from 2 o'clock till about 6, 6.30. After that, we'd go home and eat. After eating, then we'd go and hit the weight room or we'd go run. We'd do all these things. And we'd go to bed about 9.30, 10 o'clock. Well, I say that. We'd go home. We'd do homework, go to bed, 9.30, 10 o'clock, sometimes 11, midnight, 1, depending. And then you'd turn around and do it all over again. And that started, listen to me, that started in September and went through May. And usually it would take about three weeks off in May. And guess what started in June again? Off-season workouts. I got to make sure. I got to work hard. So even while living on campus or living off campus in an apartment and working, I still worked out. We'd still go out to the baseball field and throw. We'd go hit. We'd be lifting weights. We'd be running. We'd be doing all those signs kinds of things. It was a training with intensity. And what I want you to understand is this, that we have to train with intensity in our own lives. And number three is this. I have to learn self-discipline. And I know this is not a word that a lot of people are going to like, but when I talk about this, that I focus or know the goal, I focus on the goal, I know the end, I train with intensity, but I have to learn self-discipline. If you look in verse 27, it says this, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. See, Paul talks about it very specifically and what he's trying to get across to us is this, that self-discipline is huge in your own life. You and I have to learn to discipline ourselves, to identify the priorities, to say this is more important than this. 
to say that I need to spend my time in God's word and I need to be reaching out to my lost friends. Why? Because that's a priority. Priority number one. And you know what I find ironic? And I'm, I'm just gonna throw this out there. May step on some toes. But they say now today's committed people, people who are committed to church, attend two out of every four weeks. Is that discipline? Now, hear me on. I'm not trying to play legalism and say you need to be at every single thing under the sun with the church, but I also want to ask you this. What is your priority? The priority used to be, hey, you're my son and you're my daughter, and I want you to know how important church is. I want you to know how important a relationship with Jesus is. I want you to know how much you are valued and loved. I want you to know that apart from Jesus, that you can't accomplish it on your own. Those are priorities that used to be set up. And the problem now is this. Well, if they choose to follow God, that's a good thing. If not, I'm good with that. Self-discipline is huge. Matter of fact, one of my buddy pastors posted yesterday, um, and I think this is a great thing. The battle on Sunday morning begins on Saturday morning. When you choose on Saturday morning to say, hey, guess what? Tomorrow's church. So we got to make our plans and decisions now so that tonight we're in bed, we're ready to go, and tomorrow we're committed to going to church. Because here's the reality. Over and over and over again, things are going to bombard you and say, I don't need it. The battle for Sunday starts on Saturday in preparing your heart, in preparing your family to go. Because listen to me, I'm gonna say this point blank and I've run into more parents who who do this. Oh, my kids just didn't wanna go to church anymore. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. And kids would hit 16 and all of a sudden the parents would go, well, he's 16, I'm kind of letting him make his own decision. Really? They're under your house. They're under your direction. They're under your leadership. They're under your authority. If they wanted to go out and smoke pot, you're gonna let them smoke pot at 16? No. There is a standard with which we have to live and what we prioritize plays over in our kids' lives. I have to learn self-discipline. And so here's what I want to do. I'll give you five things. Without success, or sorry, without self-discipline, success is impossible. And I believe that wholeheartedly. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter four. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. In other words, I have to be disciplined in my spiritual walk. Matter of fact, we'll put this in scripture in a different way. What does it benefit us if we gain the whole world and lose our souls? What does it benefit your kid if you teach him how to make money and be rich and be wealthy, but not be generous, not serve the church and not follow Jesus? Because they've just gained the whole world and lost their soul. So here are five disciplines. Five disciplines that I think in order to compete well in the race, five disciplines that I believe all of us should have in our life. Number one is this, establish a healthy diet of God's word. In other words, what do I gotta do? Every athlete prepares by number one, looking at their diet. I can't eat a bunch of, chocolate-covered peanuts and Sour Patch Kids and cookies and expect that I'm going to get all the food and nutrients and fuel to succeed in a race. I have to have a healthy diet 
in my life. And likewise, I need to have a healthy diet of God's word. So here's what we've done. We started this not too long ago, and I'm going to encourage you to pick it up. We're at day five, all right? You can go right back there. There's a yellow sheet and a green sheet, and it's our HEAR journals, H-E-A-R, highlight, explain, apply, respond. And it's asking you to read one chapter a day with the weekends off. And then we're asking you to highlight, what's the main thing that stuck out? Explain it, ask questions to explain the context of that scripture, apply it. What does that mean for my life? And then respond in prayer. I sat down the other morning with Ethan and we went through, right where, where, matter of fact, I'm starting over on Luke chapter one and we went through it and I started talking to him. He's like, I don't know how to apply this. So I helped him. Parents, very simple thing. What are you getting your kids into? The word. A healthy diet of God's word is needed in order to be disciplined. Number two, I believe this is something that wholeheartedly takes place and really goes in with what I just said. I have to train my children, your children, in the ways of the Lord. Listen to me. The church's job is not to raise up your children. It's your job. Now, here's how the church partners with you. We come alongside and say, hey, we're here to strengthen you, equip you, encourage you, and walk you, with, or walk you through this process. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 is very clear. Whose responsibility is to raise my kids? Whose responsibility is to teach them about the ways of Jesus? I have to train my children. I have to cha- train your children in the ways of the Lord. Number three, I believe this is something that we have to understand. Make the local church a priority. Here's what happens when somebody's preparing. Usually they make a priority to a gym, right? If you're a fighter, they usually fight out of, matter of fact, if you watch UFC, they'll say fighting out of gym such and such in whatever town they're in. You know why? Because they've made it a priority. That gym is their priority. That's their base camp. That's where they get their training. That's where they get encouraged. That's where they get challenged. That's where they are able to spar with people who are gonna push them to get stronger and better. And guess what the church is? It's a gym. The Bible's very clear that it says that God has called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers to what? Prepare God's people for works of service. Guess what that carries on? The church is a gym. It's where you practice. It's where you're encouraged. It's where you're pushed. It's where you grow. It's where you come out of as a base camp. You propel each other out and you strengthen each other and you help each other and you walk through life with each other. And as a result, what do I need to make church? A top priority. So make church a top priority. Five disciplines. Number four, I believe wholeheartedly is this, not just making church attendance a top priority, but serving within the church. All of us have gifts, talents, and abilities that we can use in some way. We've got lots of people who are committed to praise team. We've got people who are committed to our kids' ministry. But I also would say this, that we have lots of openings where we need you. If we wanna see the city of independence change, we have to understand that it starts first with us, but then as a result of that, We got to get involved to lead others to change as well. So I serve in the church. And then number five, and listen, here's the reality of what goes on. Five disciplines. I have to build relationships with lost people. When I first got here, and I've used the story, I think at least once, it was probably a month maybe two months after I got here. And I remember on a Wednesday night, I was challenging everybody to make relationships with lost people. And one of the ladies came up and she goes, you're asking me to do what for years the church told us not to do. At which point I went, what? 
the church has to understand this, that we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. That we're not called to isolate and segregate, but we're called to be in the world around the people, loving people, serving people, standing on the truth of God's word, and at the same time, not living the way they want us to. But I have to build relationships with unbelievers in order to reach unbelievers. I have to be involved in the lives of people who are far from Jesus so that I can lead people near to Jesus. Remember the main goal that Paul talked about, and I'm gonna wrap up right here with this because I believe this is where we have to understand. He says, I do, or sorry, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means, I might save some. It's not your job and my job to save the entire world. It's your job and my job to be disciplined and dedicated to what God has called us to do because here's why. Jesus wants to work in you and through you to accomplish great things. He is the one who builds the church. He is the one who changes hearts. He is the one who opens doors and opportunities for us to share the gospel. I just have to be obedient. And if I'm not obedient in in taking in a healthy diet of God's word, how am I gonna know, understand, or respond to those individuals when God opens up a door and opportunity to share the gospel with? So I believe five disciplines that I I think everybody here can commit to today. Some of you may say, you're asking me to commit to serve in the church. Listen, there are some roles that you could serve once a month. But yes, we're asking you to commit to serve. We're asking you, and here's the biggest thing. I think you need to start first with the healthy diet of God's word. As a matter of fact, as you're dealing with going through that, I would encourage you to sign up for or get involved in a Sunday school class, a Bible study on Sunday mornings, or sign up for a life group. Why? Because you're going to spend time in God's word. You're going to build relationships with other people. And as a result, remember the training aspect, you're going to be able to launch out from the gym. Why? Because that's your ground base. That's your home. That's where you're prepared for works of service. So let me ask you this question. I want you to do this just where you're at. What is it you need to commit to today? What is it that God is calling you to commit to today? It may be committing back and saying, God, first of all, I gotta get my relationship with you squared away first and foremost. I put it on the back burner. I've neglected it. I'm, I'm not spending any time in your word. It may be starting off with that, but I would recommend that you start at one and begin a process of growth from there that I take in a healthy diet of God's word and that, listen, I make church a top priority. There's two. From there, we begin to work on the process. Why? Because God has called us all to run a race. And all of those things that we just talked about are part of running that race. I'm gonna have our ushers come. We're gonna do offering. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna close with this song. But here's what I wanna challenge you with. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, never put your belief in Jesus, or maybe you struggle with a lot of that, I just wanna say, hey, I'm up here to pray with you. You have questions, you have doubts, you have struggles, you have, I I understand all of those things. But I also want you to know this, that maybe you just need to to commit to something. And you say, you know what, I, I, I haven't committed to this and I need somebody to pray. Grab somebody and come up here and pray. You can pray with me. 
But what is the Lord calling you to do? As we start a new year, as we walk on this path, remember the path is a narrow road to growth. Narrow meaning that there's not many people who want to take it. And there's not many people who are committed to doing it. Are you committed? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the the, the message that Paul communicates to us. I pray that we would understand. I pray that we be committed. God, may we be disciplined. May we understand the necessity to go into training, strict training, to be prepared to run the race, to fight the fight that you have called us to do. Lord, I pray today, maybe there are some who come with heavy hearts. Maybe there are burdens, there are struggles. God, I pray that they would experience your power. I pray that you would just pour out an ease and a comfort over them. That as they walk through these trials, these struggles, the temptations, that they would understand and know your grace and your strength in it. Father, we pray for the offering. We pray that you would multiply it. We pray that you would continue to grant us favor. Grant us favor with people in the community. Grant us favor with our neighbors. May we stand on the truth of your word, but love people with great grace and mercy, just as you did. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. As the offering plates are passed, after they're passed, you can stand. We're gonna close with this song, you'll be dismissed.